0: today we have two scripture readings the first is Jeremiah 29 verse 7 but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find welfare and the second reading is Matthew 5 43 to 48 you have heard it that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you "'Love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, "'so that you may be the may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. "'For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, "'and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. "'For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? "'Do not even the tax collectors do the same? "'And if you greet only your brothers,' What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I don't know if you've had an occasion to have to change a voicemail uh, greeting or a, uh, uh, an incoming message that people might listen to. If, you, if you're one of those that just let it go to the automatic one, that's awesome. Uh, but if you've ever done that or perhaps maybe you've recorded yourself singing or saying something for somebody else and you thought, oh, I did a really good job there and that sounds good and then you listen to it back and you realize the sound of your own voice and you begin to go, ooh, is that how other people hear me? Uh, That happens to me. Obviously, I can hear myself almost every Sunday if I want to hear myself on our podcast, which you could listen to as well if you wanted to. And I think to myself, oh, I'm not sounding Aussie by any stretch of the imagination. But I maybe am not sounding as American as I previously sounded, and I definitely don't sound as if I'm from Oklahoma, uh, where it has a bit of a twang to things. And then I hear one of our podcasts or listen to my outgoing message, and it's like, "Hey y'all, it's good to hear ya. It's so good that you called me, and I'll get back to you in just a minute." <laughs> <laughs> oftentimes, those of us who are in Christ, who are part of that group that is wanting to be devoted, and that understanding of devoted is that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love others as we love ourselves. Quick reminder, Jesus knows that you know how to love yourself. That's the reason why he says that. He wants you to love God, love others like you already love yourself. You love yourself. (laughs) Now, you might have a low self esteem, but your focus is you. (laughs) You love yourself. And so it's how do we love others like we give ourselves completely to what we want and what we desire? That's being devoted, what we've been talking about in this series. So, those of us who are on that path, or those who are kind of walking around the edges of that path, I think sometimes we can think as we're speaking out about God's love and grace and mercy and truth and righteousness, all these beautiful things that we believe and hold dear in our heart, I believe that we think we sound great or at least good. But sometimes if we would stop and listen, we might hear (laughs) that perhaps those who are hearing it are hearing it a little bit different than we are. So today we're talking about this idea of finding favor. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42, we see these things that they were devoted to. And at the very end of that passage, it says they were finding favor with all. Now, if you look out in particularly over the Western world today, it would definitely seem as if those who are part of the Jesus way, uh, the God botherers, those who are in a church, definitely don't seem to be finding favor that much in the world. that that it seems or there is a, a, a building of consensus that we are on the outs and we are being put on the outs by others. And we hear our voice and we think we sound all right. But I think if we take a moment, we might hear that they're hearing something different than what we're saying. Now, I don't want to let them off the hook. And I don't even like referring to them as them and us. But those who don't happen to be walking in the Jesus way, those who aren't called in to a gathering, they also have the propensity to say things that they think they're saying, that they think sound good, that when we hear it, we hear, ha. <laughs> that different nuance, that different depth. But we're called to be devoted to God and to others. We're called to love God and others. And so the way that we then engage in this place that God has put us requires us to be different and to sound different as those who are the body and those who are individually, particularly walking with Jesus. We see in Jeremiah 29, this great passage that says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. These are a place where they didn't want to be and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Seek God for this place I've put you for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. A sense that God has called us to seek the good and the flourishing of all that we encounter. Well, why? And how? If they're against us and not for us, why should we go ahead and do that? Well, because the pattern of the world is to say, if you're not for me, you're against me. And we don't fall into that pattern. We walk in a pattern that says, regardless if you're for me or against me, I will seek God for you and for your flourishing. That's what the command to the Israelite nation in exile was in Jeremiah. It was calling them out, saying to them, you are to be different and you are to seek the goodness of those who are around you. Now, if you look at this passage in Matthew, you might think to yourself, wait a minute, the sermon title is Finding Favor, and in this passage in Matthew, you're talking about enemies. Now, how do you reconcile enemies with finding favor? Well, we see here that we shall love our neighbor and love our enemies as well. Why? Because we are like God. Notice what it says here. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is heaven, who is in heaven. For God is the one who makes the sun shine on all people. Now he separates it evil and good, and God is the one who sends rain on all people, the just and the unjust. Then he goes on to say, "This is the way the world works. For if you love only those who love you, what reward is that? Don't even the tax collectors do that? I mean, that's low." And then he says, if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than just the Gentiles around you? So be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, oftentimes we can step back from that and means that means we have to be right all the time. That's not what perfect means here. Perfect flows from what is happening. And that flow is this, that I see all people as those who are image bearers of God, and that I know God is pouring out his blessing on them, he is watching out over them, in his common grace he is holding them, keeping the world from falling apart, holding at bay our worst inclinations in our hearts, so that he may receive glory and honor. And so my perfection then is in walking in that way knowing that i have enemies those who are against me but even though they are i will look to them to bring life and love c.s lewis put it this way it would be good for us to live life so compellingly and lovingly in our neighborhoods and cities and nations that if we were suddenly removed from the world our non-believing neighbors would miss us terribly Now, right now, it would appear that some in the world would be happy for us to disappear. The novelist and poet Madeline L'Engle wrote this, that the church that we draw people to Christ, not by loudly discrediting what they believe— By telling them how wrong they are or how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want it with all of their hearts and want to know the source. My challenge to us who are walking in the way of Jesus is this, too often our desire is to be right. To be those who stand up and say, this is the way. Get on task, people. Instead of coming with mercy and grace and saying, I know the way. (laughs) Because I am known by the one who is the way. There's this great old hymn that says, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. But too often I think that we as those who are in the way will sing it like I never was lost. I know the way. I'll tell you about it. You see, our hearts must first move to a place, if we are to find favor with the world, to recognize that we have found favor with God because of what God has done. That we didn't deserve that favor because of who our hearts are and how we're turned on ourselves, but through the grace and mercy of Jesus, we have moved into a place where we have found favor. And so in that way, we are able to look out at those who have not seen that favor so that they can know there is nothing that can separate them from the love of God. In Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice on the cross opens the door, moving us to a place that says, I will pour my blessing on you. Why? Just because God wants to bless everybody? Well, that's cool and probably true. But more than that, he wants to draw them to himself. Romans 4 reminds us that it is God's kindness that leads to repentance. And too often, I think we believe it's God's wrath that leads us to repentance. At least that's the way we are sometimes heard. Leslie Newbigin, as he's writing about the church, says this. Movements that begin with the local congregation in which the reality of the new creation is present, known, and and experienced, and from which men and women will then go into every sector of public life to claim it for Christ, will only happen as we and when local congregations renounce an introverted concern of our own lives. And recognize that we exist for the sake of those who are not members. That we are a sign and an instrument and a foretaste of God's redeeming grace for the whole life of society. That we find favor first because we found favor with the Father and then we seek to bring God's favor to those around us. And in that way, we begin to receive the favor of those around us. In that way, they begin to hope that Christians actually don't shut up and Christians don't stop stepping into the spheres of public life because they're the ones who are seeking the benefit and the grace and the mercy of all that they encounter, not just those who agree with them. Because as quickly as we can say, those who long for tolerance become intolerant of those who they deem intolerant, we will say the same. But we can't, or we shouldn't. Not by our own power and our own strength, because the one who came in Christ Jesus gives us Holy Spirit so that I don't have to be right or heard or understood. That I move from the place where all my life is about self-fulfillment and it becomes about self-sacrifice in order to see God's kingdom come. And so that place of finding favor is to recognize there is another. (laughs) And my job is not to convert the other, but to pray for them and to seek to show them love so that they will come and see God's glory. Scott Sauls is a pastor in the States, And he's very prolific in writing books. I'm sure he has help. (laughs) Or he's just really good at writing sermons that can be made into books. He's written a book called Irresistible Faith. And the title alone is amazing. And in it he talks about the fact that Jesus is irresistible. That we, as those who are part of the way, moving in the way of Christ, have an irresistible Savior. And that that irresistible Savior, when he makes us move from darkness to light, when he adopts us into the family, gives us an irresistible community, which is the body of Christ, the church. And thus it enables us to have an irresistible faith. And towards the end of the book, after he's explained all those things, he begins to have a series of what-if statements. He says this. What if, in the spirit of Jesus' life and teaching, Christians became widely known not as only the best kind of friends, but as the best kind of enemies? Responding to persecution with prayer, to scorn with kindness to selfishness with generosity to offense with forgiveness and to hatefulness with grace and love what if in the spirit of Jesus Christians once once again become known as those who welcome sinners and eat with them such that sinners begin to say of Christians I like them and I want to be like them What if, in the spirit of the early church, Christians once again begin to enjoy the favor of all the people, not because of how we like the world, uh, not because of how like the world they have become thoroughly assimilated and accommodating, but because of how unlike the world they have become through their lives of love and good deeds, what if Christians once again collectively and comprehensively and universally live such compelling lives that the Lord added daily to the number those who were being saved? What would it mean for us to be those who respond in every situation with love? Now, that doesn't mean that we don't hold standards. That doesn't mean that we don't stand back and and walk with somebody. That, That we say, there is brokenness that is happening. There is evil that is corrupting. There is cancer growing inside. There are things that will destroy you. But we don't do it from the mountaintop like Moses coming down, seeing the children of Israel with a golden calf, throwing down the Ten Commandments and saying, gosh, why did you give me these people? Instead, we do it like Jesus, who came down from heaven to be one of us, to walk among us with love and mercy and grace and truth. Right now, the world is painting a picture of who we are, and we're helping them paint that picture. But for those of us who are devoted to loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others as we love ourselves, then empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can move into those places and bring a better narrative. Because it's not just a narrative of what is true in the moment and the here and now, but it is the narrative of the truth of God's grace and mercy. That says, though you are broken, you can be made whole. Though you are lost, you have been found. Though you believe self-fulfillment comes in getting everything you've ever wanted. I will show you that self-fulfillment comes in being known by the one who created you. And so maybe the prayer that's been attributed to St. Francis is the prayer that we should end on. I don't know that it's actually St. Francis' prayer, but he gets the credit for it. He says, perhaps, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. And where there's offense, let me bring pardon. And where there is discord, let me bring union. And where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. And where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. And where there is sadness, let me bring your joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that one receives, it is in the self-forgetting that one finds, it is in the pardoning that one is pardoned, and it is in the dying that one is raised to eternal life. Amen and amen. Father, if there's anything that's not from you today, let it burn up and go away. If there is anything that has been spoken today that does not belong and is not your message of steadfast love and hope and truth and justice and mercy, let it go away. But if it is from you, let it take root in our hearts so that we will be transformed by power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be like you in this world and be perfect in our love for those that we encounter. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.